word of warning that this podcast contains swears and use of explicit sexual language. Therefore, it is not suitable for anyone under the age of 18 or anyone who thinks only banks offer financial domination. I'm ahead of the game. Welcome back to Smut Drop. This is your weekly roundup to the more eccentric side of sex and relationships from metro.co.uk. I'm Miranda Kane, and on this week's show, I'll be looking at how to have great mirror sex, talking about going from financial domination to Edinburgh Fringe with Lane Kedaris, and I'll be diving through all the fun bags. If you like what you hear, then please rate, review, or at least subscribe, and I hope you're ready because I'm about to take you through the looking glass. Hello, 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 dear listener. Okay, quick question. When was the last time you tried a little bit of mirror sex? Mirror sex. Okay, it is exactly what it says on the tin. Don't panic. I'm not trying to... (laughs) This isn't a trick question. It is basically having sex with someone else or masturbating in front of a mirror. Yeah, I'm getting you excited already. I can tell. Well, Gigi Engel, sexologist and lead intimacy expert at 3Fun, says that there are two reasons why it's so appealing. Porn and voyeurism. Hey, natural. So if you like watching your partner do things to you and your body whilst you're doing things to them, well, then that's like being in your own personal porno, isn't it? You're just seeing it from the outside and that can be such a turn on whilst you're watching yourselves in the mirror. For others, mirror sex might satisfy a deeper sexual fantasy like voyeurism. Now, voyeurism is the act of watching two people having sex. And a lot of the time, it's, you know, without them knowing, like you're a little dirty peeping Tom. And this is a common sexual fantasy, although it's obviously not okay to act out unless all parties involved have consented to the watching and being watched. And this is how mirrors help to make that fantasy come to life. So you get to have sex and watch yourselves at the same time. Double bubble. So for some, mirror sex is a great way to live out that voyeuristic dream without involving others. Now, how you have great mirror sex, this is where Auntie Miranda comes in. So there are a few things to consider, uh, mainly your positions and where you're going to put the mirror. Now, the most common one and the most easiest one is to get one of them full length mirrors, pop it at the end of the bed, get on board and do a bit of doggy. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. It's about, it's like being in your very own erotic film. But don't be afraid to try moving around to get the perfect view. You can try going up against the mirror. You can try moving the mirror. You can even try using multiple mirrors. Yeah, get all those angles. And if you are feeling a bit self-conscious, then Gigi recommends starting out solo. She says she would recommend starting with masturbation. And that can help you ease into it by taking the time to admire your reflection and what you look like when you become aroused. Mm. Now there is a whole checklist of tips and tricks to help you 
reflect on mirror sex. Thank you. Thank you. So head to the article, The Ultimate Guide to Great Mirror Sex and Why It's So Damn Hot over at metro.co.uk. But obviously not before you've listened to my fabulous chat with this week's guest. Ladies and gentlemen, gays and theys, we all know that sex is the funniest thing you can do with your clothes off, but what about sex work? As Edinburgh Fringe season kicks off, more and more sex workers are using performance to tell their own story in their own words, and I am obviously all for it. So I'm delighted to welcome this week's guest, who, after 15 years in financial domination in New York, is telling all in her show Sex Job. It's actor, writer and comedian, Lane Kaderis. Hello, Lane. Hello. Thank you so much, Miranda. Oh, no problem. I love having sex worker performers on Smart Job because I think it's always so good to get to hear everyone's own stories in their own words rather than some fucking earnest A-level production that's gone, oh, yeah, we've taken it all verbatim. And it's like, babe, no. But none of us have experienced it. Yeah, exactly. 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 Yeah because there's just so much complexity to it right <laughs> yeah it's not all like oh I'm so sad and it's not always like oh isn't it brilliant but it is I think it is enough to have so many different shades of grape that you can definitely stand up and tell all about it in your own words so I'm so happy to talk to you about it so tell us all from the beginning where do we start with Elaine Wow. Okay. Um, so, I mean, I guess if we're starting with like how I got into sex work, um, I was, um, I had just gotten my BFA in musical theater and I got to New York and um, I needed money. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so I did all kinds of gigs. I waited tables and I did some gigs where I bartended in an event, but instead instead of uh, wearing a shirt, I wore just body paint. Or (laughs) I did sushi modeling where people would eat sushi off of me while expressing how deeply uncomfortable they are. (laughs) And and, um, I finally discovered foot fetish parties. And I found myself way less objectified at the foot fetish parties. The, The ones I attended, like, over 15 years ago, where basically uh, men would come that had a foot fetish and there would be ladies there with feet and they would (laughs) worship their feet, which means they would kiss their feet, massage them um, and just just kind of exist with them on their face. (laughs) And and I found like truly I was like, oh, this is like the best I've been treated by a man. Like I'm getting paid to get my feet massaged while they respect my boundaries and I found it so like empowering and obviously very um quite lucrative and it gave me the ability to go to auditions when I needed to Mm, that what is the advert for a foot fetish party is it just something on Craigslist where it's like have you got a nice pair of trotters which you <laughs> then you, this party might be for you yes I did find it through Craigslist I was I was scouring the Craigslist gig section back in the day <laughs> and um and I discovered it and that kind of opened the door for me then I, I quickly started doing more like foot worship sessions and then more and more men would ask me to be dominant which I quickly discovered um was just like 
like basically saying yes and to the sub. In mm -hmm. other words, it was doing improv, but with horny men, which was what I was already doing because I was an improv comedian. So I was like, oh, I'm nailing this. <laughs> <laughs> it's just playing pretend, you know, it doesn't have to be this big, scary thing. It, it's just kind of playing with whatever each other is giving you. So yeah, it, I found it to be truly like very fun, like fun and a lot lighter and more playful than I imagined being a dominatrix would be. And then of course I discovered financial domination, which is where it's people's kink to give me money. And I was like, oh, that one, I do that. <laughs> <laughs> I do the money one. That is my specialty now. Yes. So what did this look like for you? Were you doing it? Were you like advertising online or was it word of mouth or were you like, this is my job and I'll do improv and I'll do comedy on the side and, you know, have all the website and everything. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it started kind of, I had met people and, and made some connections from the foot worship parties. And then I, I pretty quickly, when I went independent, started to advertise online on places like Backpage, RIP. Um, I was very lucky to have that uh, uh, available to me, um, though very quickly um, I discovered Twitter and so mm. would advertise on Twitter. Um, and so clients would approach me and, you know, I would kind of screen them and decide if I wanted to do a session in person with them or not. Um, and interestingly, now it, it was happening before the pandemic, but the pandemic has really heightened it is most of what I do now is all online. It's all you know, video response sessions or cam sessions um, or or me just texting them saying you're paying for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're still doing financial domination whilst you're d going into um, performance. Oh, yeah. How am I? How else am I going to afford the fringe, baby? <laughs> <laughs> that, that was going to be a big question. <laughs> <laughs> the fringe. Uh, my show has been um, uh, produced by my subs. <laughs> That should go on the poster, definitely. So what about, what made you start wanting to talk about this? Because I, I read in an article that you didn't tell anyone for like 10 years. What made yes. you take the leap to go from sex work to stand up? Yeah, I think it was a combination. Well, I was actually, so I was doing, yeah, I was doing them both simultaneously, but I was keeping it secret in the comedy community. And from a lot of people, like the closest people in my life knew, but like my family did not know. And I think it was a combination of things. I think it was one, like seeing the rise of OnlyFans and just seeing how how much more, how many more people actually do sex work than actually talk about it. Um, and in fact, when I did start to tell people, it's amazing how many people actually have or do sex work or know someone who has done sex work, but no one talks about it. Um, so that I think made me um, you know, want to be more open about it as well as, you know, every single client and person that I would tell about it were just like, you need to write a book about this. And I was like, oh, honey, I'm a performer. I'm gonna write a show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, it's been incredibly scary, but so cathartic. And it's been amazing how much more accepting people have been, um, than I expected. And, you know, obviously there's still a lot of stigma that I'm working on undoing with sex work that you are doing the Lord's work of doing as well. Um, and yeah, I, when I discovered you too, I was like, oh my gosh, she does this too. <laughs> like, I was, I was like, truly my like sex work comedy sister out there yes. is incredible. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, even people like you em empowered me to do it. <laughs> oh, oh, 
anytime anytime tell us a bit about um so did you find that because i i love it when you say you know domination was a lot of yes anding because that is something Mm -hmm. that i'm i absolutely agree with totally it's all about improv and were there any other weird transferable skills that you found you had either from performance to sex work or from sex work into performance uh, definitely my musical theater background made uh, me great in heels. <laughs> I could walk in stilettos very well. Um, some men have asked me to do uh, what is called trampling too, which is where you like stand or walk on them. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes in high heels even. And uh, my gymnastics and performance <laughs> dance background definitely helps with that. <laughs> I have stood I have stood on people's face before, in, not in shoes. And let me tell you, it's really hard to stand on a round, sweaty face. It's like it's like standing on a wet, sweaty balance beam that won't stop talking. <laughs> that's helping all round, isn't it? Like that's just building the core strength. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and also, yeah, leaning into different sides of myself. I think too, like having that that improv playful side, mm. but also being able to you know play these different parts, which are you know as much as you are playing a role, it's also part of you. And getting to express all of those different sides of me has been so incredibly cathartic you know, getting to lean into my bratty side or my like princessy side or my like, you know, badass mean girl side. It's, it's fun. So tell us about the show Sex Job. So uh, you're taking it to Edinburgh Fringe. What yes. kind of things do you chat about? What have been some of your highlights? Yeah. Um. So yeah, the show like the show obviously follows my journey through sex work. Um, and so obviously there's just a ton of wild stories. Um, but then it's also incredibly interactive. So there is a game show that I'm going to play with you later called yes. did I do that for money? <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I play that with an audience member. There's a follow the rules as a sex worker obstacle course. Oh, uh, <laughs> here's the catch. The rules always change and you don't know until you break them. <laughs> um, there is, um, I show an actual real porn that I've made, which is, you know, very silly. And I'm wearing a bikini and it's entitled smell test. Oh. Um, and so I share that along with my commentary of kind of what's going on inside my head, what's happening behind the scenes. Um, it's super, super silly. Um, and I also teach someone in the audience how to do Fendom. And let's just say real money might get involved and the end of the show has been described as like a magic trick, but real. Ooh. Oh, <laughs> I love it. So what about your game? Tell me about the game. Yes. Um, did I do that yes. for money? Yes. So we will play it. Okay. So did I do that for money? It's a game show where I tell you some wild stuff and you tell me if you think I did that for money or not. Okay. Got it? Got it. Okay, great. And just so you know, if you get it wrong, you will offend me. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. You'll be fine. Or will you? It's my real life. We'll see. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Did I have a sub swallow my chewing gum? Um, and I met him every every week and he would swallow my chewing gum every single week for like a year. Yes. Yes. I would say you did that for money. 
Um, but I'm saying you did that for money because for me, the thought of meeting up with someone every week for a year, I'm like, you, you've got to pay me. That is a lot of, that is a lot of tube time for little Miranda Kane. So yes, I'm going to say you did that for money. (laughs) The answer is yes. I will say, uh, that urban legend about gum staying in your stomach better not be true for seven years. Otherwise he will have a very gummy tummy. All right. Next up. Um, did I have a sub, uh, dress up in frilly lingerie and dance to Britney Spears. Yeah, because why wouldn't you? Yes, yes. Mm. Oops, I did it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's such such a common request. Uh, <laughs> all right, did I have some of those subs wear their wife's panties? Y- yes, yes. I'm going to say yes, because, yeah. The answer is no. Oh. They so many of them would ask me and I'd be like, I don't have your wife's consent for this. <laughs> <laughs> Go buy your own panties. Like, does she know you're doing this? Does your wife have have an idea that I'm doing this with her panties or that you're doing this? Because yeah. don't stretch those things out. They're expensive. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, did I have a sub make me my very own credit card with my name on it and everything? Yes. Yes. Financial domination. I'm going to say yes. Okay. The answer is yes, I did. However, yes, yes, yes. However, um, the day that he activated it, I lost it on a walk in the park and he has not made another one since I immediately told him and was like, you have to cancel it. And I have yet to get another one. Oh, (laughs) I don't even lose credit cards that much. It was such an odd coincidence that was like the shortest most heartbreaking tale I think I've ever heard on this podcast (laughs) truly Uh, everything you could have ever wanted lost yes (laughs) gone in an instant (laughs) all right um last question did I have a sub um give himself a wedgie with a phone cord while we were doing a cam session then have him wear that phone cord around his neck like a collar and then bark and say i'm a good little doggy and goddess is my mommy and my iphone is my daddy <laughs> that is so much detail that i have to go for yet <laughs> I'm sorry. The answer is no, I did oh. not do that for money. I did it for me. <laughs> Congratulations. You win. Did I oh. do that for money? <laughs> I think the ultimate winner here is definitely you. I think that was, that's what we're learning. Oh my <laughs> God. So what about when it came to learning how to do all this? Like, when it came to learning how to become a financial dominatrix, mm. what are some of your top tips for listeners? I know you do it in the show, yes. but are there any things that people can listen to? Because we're all in a bit of a, a cost of living crisis. We oh could do gosh, with the cash. Course. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Um, so let's see. Some of my top tips are know your worth, know your power. Because there will be a lot of people out there that have that have a financial domination fetish that want to get it for free or cheap, which is hilarious. Mm. Never go approach the subs. Let them approach you. And always require a tribute first, um, which is, you know, code for payment. Yeah. And always make sure... Uh, that your tribute options are ones that are sex worker friendly and that they cannot reverse. 
Mm. because a lot of them will do that. Mm. And yeah, and I, I think especially the key thing is don't be afraid to say no to men. Like that is that is what being a sex worker, especially and a dom has taught me is how to say no to men. I had a lot of trouble with that. And I think that's a lot of what attracted me to this as well. Mm. And you actually often get what you want by saying no to them because you they they often want you to take control but they have so much so so many issues with letting go of control that they don't they don't know how mm-hmm. and generally you know you'll either get rid of the clients that you don't want to deal with or train clients that you want to be good boys for you or good good subbies i i have generally most of my clients are quote unquote straight men and <laughs> those quotes are very real <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, I would say those are my top tips at the moment. What about the other way around? What about for anyone who wants to go from sex work into performance? What what was that like for you when you took that leap from going from occasional, from going from improv gigs and being part of a troupe to going, I want to do this, this show on my own? Yeah, um, I think definitely um, taking the time to invest invest in your own writing and um, working a piece with someone, I think is really key. Like, I think, you know, s- sit at home and work on your own, but make sure you have um, accountability with someone you're showing your writings to that that you enjoy collaborating with um, and being able to work that with someone. Like that's the way my show came about. I, I worked with my director, Matt Gehring, for over a year on this mm. piece. And I really took my time with it. And just get it in front of people. Get get your work in front of people, even if it's just really small, even if it's just a reading for a couple of your friends. Um, having that back and forth is really what allows you to, you know, go go to stand up gigs if you're a stand up, you know, go to open mics. Like get in front of people because you don't know what works until you work it with other people. I went through the same thing of like I didn't do it quite so well as you. I went right, I want to do a show, and then just like immediately jumped on a stage, and that was the wrong thing I like to do because I just ended up giving what was basically an hour long TED talk, and no one needs that in their life. But then <laughs> working with, a director, but then you also actually did a, a TED talk, yeah. <laughs> so, so it worked out. <laughs> I had to trim it down a bit. But then when I worked with the director and and started doing as you said like doing work in progress with people and having someone that I could that I trusted to give me good feedback and constructive criticism Mm. that really helped and I think that is something that a lot of performers not not even necessarily ones who are going from sex work but a lot of performers don't take that in mind they just think well I've got an hour's worth of material I'll get up and stand up and say it but actually you you do need that editing and you do need those eyes so um and if any sex workers are out there and want a bit of help (laughs) <laughs> the diary's empty for little Miranda Gain at the moment so so come in there you go and getting to have someone who understands your experience I mean get better than that yeah I'm what really a, what, a, what a wonderful director to have whereas instead with me my director he was like what yeah this ha- what I was I was teaching him a lot what was it like when you started to come out more to the comedy community oh yeah um it was uh, you know, it's so funny. Yeah, I was so nervous about being seen uh, from the comedy community as like a dumb sex work bimbo. Mm. When what I want to be seen as is a dumb sex work bimbo who's very funny. 
Uh, <laughs> and, and truly, like, it was amazing how many people were just like instantly fascinated and and who treated it with such such care and respect. And I, I think we've just come such a long way and we still have so far to go. But the the script really has started to change around um, how we view sex work. And I think by the time I was starting to come out, it was it was a lot more um, seen and and um, accepted, which mm. is was really beautiful. Um, and and people were open to even having, you know, maybe certain stigmas like broken apart, like uh, in, in a way that I, I don't know how people would have been, you know, 10 years ago, even. Mm. Yeah, it's definitely become a lot more um, normalized, I think, mm-hmm. especially yes. with the rise Perfect of word. OnlyFans and people are going through these difficult financial times. So more mm-hmm. and more people are turning and especially when you've got sex work now that isn't it's it's not risky doing it from online you you can still keep your privacy and you can still maintain that kind of distance so it's it's definitely become a lot more a lot more within the public eye and I I think all of that will all help with safety and all help you know safety from like you said like all the difficult laws and everything and we are just getting people to talk about it it's always Anything like that always helps when people are talking about it. Totally. And what are your plans? What would be if you, so you're going to Fringe. That Mm -hmm. was always like a total dream for me. I was like, I'm doing it. I've gone to Fringe. And then what no one says is, well, what do you want to do with it afterwards? I'm like, but it's Fringe. Isn't that the thing that I want? So what would be? (laughs) Right. And then it's over in a month. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And you've got a little bit of PTSD. I hear, I am just like trying my best to rest up beforehand, (laughs) but then also perform my show one more time here in New York before I go um yeah I mean I I definitely want to tour this show and um, perform it for as many people as possible um I want to film a special of it um and I also want to you know pitch a show to networks off of it as well um uh like a like a sex in the city meets high maintenance kind of a situation um <laughs> where where you know being a dom is just kind of on the sidelines it's not the main focus of of the uh, plot mm. but it's just kind of that person's day job which immediately creates incredible and interesting fodder mm, definitely and especially I think when you've got you know a load of subs that can produce it for you there's you know there's there's some money right there exactly on, <laughs> they'll they'll put their hands in for it have you beamed live onto their Netflix easy um mm-hmm. <laughs> win-win for everyone <laughs> Exactly, exactly. So where can people find more details if they want to hear more? Yes, they can go to um, sexjobshow.com is the official website for it. Um, And then also on social media, there's my personal Instagram and Twitter, which is just at Lane Quetteris and TikTok as well. Um, And you can see even like little clips from the show and all sorts of other fun and interesting things. Um, And then um, at sexjob underscore a comedy show on Instagram and at sexjobshow on Twitter as well. Brilliant. And where are you going to be performing at Fringe? Yes, I'm going to be at Underbelly um, in Bristow Square at 2.25 p.m. for the full run. So from August 2nd to 28th, um, 
only the only date I'm not doing is the 14th. So mama's going to be busy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lovely family friendly time. Two, four, six, yeah, perfect. Get all the kids in. <laughs> They'll need it. The way the world is going, they're going to need the education. Thank Truly. you so much, Lane, for joining us on Smut Drop and good luck with the fringe. And I hope the show goes from strength to strength. Thank you. Hello and welcome back to my fun bags. This week I looked into the Metro basement, saw they were brimming with your questions, kinks and confessionals and I've decided to do a quick roundup of all the things that we couldn't find to put anywhere else. So Kelly asked, what is the best flavoured lubricant? Great question, Kelly. However, I would say that it depends what it's for. So there are some lubricants that you should never use with toys or condoms, for instance. And then there are some that you definitely need to save for those harder to reach places. So I would recommend looking first at what you need it for and why, and then consider the flavour because that really is the least of all your worries. And take it from me, at the end of the day, they all taste just a little bit of lubricant. <laughs> you, those pina colada lubes, they lie, they lie. Uh, Dandy, ooh, who is still clinging on to Twitter, has said penis pumps, yay or nay? Very good, very good question there. So uh, we had a lovely chat to Dr Anand about this last year. And I'm sorry to say that it is a nay. Instead of the time and investment in a penis pump, what you actually really need to do is work on your pelvic floor. Oh, I know, I know. Exercise rather than a quick fix. <laughs> but don't take it from me. Go and listen to the episode with Dr Anand in our archives and he will tell you all about why the pelvic floor is the best secret weapon in sex that you'll ever have. Carl, oh, Carl knows how to flatter me. He says, any plans to do a live show? Oh, I wish. Do you know what? All this chat about Edinburgh Fringe has really got me itching to get back on a stage. But maybe we can think about doing it for next year. Next week, I will be chatting to the one and only Erica Lust about making adult cinema. So I want to hear what fantasies and confessionals you would love to see immortalised and brought to life for the big screen. Tell me all. You can contact me via Instagram, slip into my DMs where I'm that Miranda Kane, or you can email smutdrop at metro.co.uk. I've been Miranda Kane. Smutdrop was produced by Pineapple Audio Production for metro.co.uk. If you are enjoying this weekly, very explicit show and tell, please leave me a nice review. In the meantime, I'll be back to prick up your ears next week. And remember, don't do anything I wouldn't do, but if you do, then name it after me. Hold up. 